Hey, it's Josh. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to let you all know that the Vermont Public Spring Membership Drive has arrived. Donations from folks like you make everything we do here possible. If you want to help support our people-powered journalism, be sure to make a donation in any amount by March 16th by going to bravelittlestate.org donate. And as always, thank you for your support. From Vermont Public Radio, this is Brave Little State. I'm Myra Flynn. And I'm Marlon Hyde. I don't want anyone to panic, but if you look around right now, it kind of feels like the end of the world. Between climate change, a pandemic, and the war in Ukraine, it's safe to say we're not having a utopian experience on this planet we call Earth. And I'm not the only one noticing. Vermont? I would end up going rural, you know? Like, I'd just go to the middle of the woods and, like, hope that nobody contacts me or finds me. Morgan Elise, a senior at the University of Vermont, already has a plan in place should this stuff get worse. You know, bring a small group of people with me, obviously, because you have to have resources and you can't survive alone. That's literally impossible. Or maybe, if you decide to stay on the grid, you start drinking. Like Simone Bork and William Belize, who I ran into at Four Quarters Brewery in Winooski. They're visiting from Quebec City, and they think... If stuff gets worse, Vermont would do all right. Well, you know, they all have Subarus, all-wheel drive vehicles. Uh, they, I think they're good on the, their own farming stuff and stuff like that. Most of them look like they're, how do you call that, uh, not fishermen, the other type. They, they, what? La chasseur, la chasseur, c'est quoi? Hunter. Hunter. So they might be good to survive an apocalypse. I think so. What's your what's your take on because, it? <laughs> because for real, for, for real, Vermont, it's like our Quebec countryside. It's it's nice. We are home here. Yeah, but that's not the question. The question. Ah, yes. A listener wrote in to BLS nearly two years ago, just as the pandemic was starting, and asked, "Would Vermont be a good place to ride out an apocalypse?" The question. That's is, not the question. Be... If we have an apocalypse, I think it's a, it's, it's a good place. <laughs> You're uh, autosuffisant. Oh, you said autosuffisant in English? Yeah, like I, I guess they grow their own food in a way. Yeah. They do, they, they're self sufficient in a way. Self sufficient. You're hippies. Yeah. Hippies, no? Brave Little State, VPR's people-powered journalism project. Here on the show, we answer questions about Vermont that have been asked and voted on by you, our audience, because we think our journalism is better when you're a part of it. Today, VPR News Fellow Marlon Hyde investigates a question we received at the start of the pandemic. Would Vermont be a good place to ride out an apocalypse? We'll discuss a few apocalyptic scenarios, including some that have already begun. If we're going to talk about a climate apocalypse with a global warming and um, the potential of sea levels rising in dramatically within the next 50 to 100 years, I do see Vermont holding out pretty well. I've written about science and I've written about infectious diseases before, and there's always been this sort of looming threat of a, of a new pandemic. We'll test our social fitness. Like, just how neighborly are we really if the world is ending? And we've also got a lot of social resources, social capital, social cohesion that is going to be necessary for the end times. Because when 
you're thrust into a threatened position, you have to come together as a community and buttress up and protect the, the social fabric. And yes, we're going to go there. Given Vermont's proximity to three major cities within a five-hour uh, driving radius, um, I do not think Vermont would survive a nuclear apocalypse. We have support from VPR sustaining members. Welcome. Thanks to Vita for their support of Brave Little State. Since 1974, Vita has helped Vermont businesses grow and thrive. From agriculture to energy, startups to family companies. Find solutions that fit your business. Visit VEDA.org to start your next chapter today. And Sunset Lake CBD, a farmer-owned business crafting CBD products right here in Vermont. Learn more about their sustainable farming practices, delivery options, and how to support local farmers at sunsetlakecbd.com. The question about how Vermont would fare during an apocalypse came to us anonymously. I wasn't able to get the asker on the record, but they did gift me with a little more insight as to their reason for asking. Here's my colleague, Josh Crane, reading what they had to say. So the question first bubbled into my mind in the early days of the pandemic. If it really hit the fan, how would Vermont fare? Winters are long. Could we feed ourselves? Heat our homes? What would life be like here if, for one reason or another, we couldn't rely on the rest of the world for all the things we take for granted? The word apocalypse begins at the beginning. With the Bible, it's defined by Merriam-Webster as, quote, one of the Jewish and Christian writings of 200 B.C. to A.D. 150, marked by pseudonymity, symbolic imagery, and the expectation of an imminent cosmic cataclysm in which God destroys the ruling powers of evil and raises the righteous to life in a messianic kingdom." End quote. Sound familiar? Devastating tornadoes, record floods, and outrageous fires throughout the U.S. If there is a higher power, they're pissed. So let's focus on our brave little state, Vermont. How would we do? Turns out Vermont as an apocalyptic refuge has been thought about before, even in Hollywood. You might remember this Will Smith classic from 2007. We're going to Vermont, to the survivor's colony. In Bethel, it's a safe zone. No survivors' colonies, no safe zones. Nothing happened the way it was supposed to happen. Nothing worked the way that it was supposed to work. In the mountains, mm-hmm. there's a whole colony of people there who didn't get sick. Mm-hmm. The virus couldn't survive the cold. There's a whole. Everybody's dead. Everybody is dead. The movie I Am Legend that came out a bunch of years ago. You'll you have people sort of escaping from this plague-filled New York City to Vermont because it's got this sort of, you know, it, it's isolated. There's not very many people here. This is Andrew Liptak from Barry. He writes science fiction, and he finds that the exercise of writing about the end of the world is like looking into a big, scary societal mirror. Anytime you're talking about an apocalyptic fiction, you are talking about a, a type of story that re, it, it was reflected on the 
concerns of the day. So to any of you out there thinking zombies, I don't blame you. But I do feel like with things like climate change, a global pandemic, and now the possibility of a nuclear war, zombies are the least of our concerns. But real quick, let's talk a little bit about zombies. In case you're curious, here are the five best places in Vermont to survive a zombie apocalypse, according to OnlyInYourState.com, which is, full disclosure, some delicious clickbait. The ranking goes as such. One, Burton Island. Two, Mount Mansfield. Three, the Northeast Kingdom. Four, Northwest Correctional Facility. And five, Green Mountain Coffee Facility? What? Coffee? I can only assume copious amounts of caffeine would be vital to staying alert in a zombie apocalypse. But back to reality. People here and elsewhere have been navigating man-made versions of an apocalypse for quite some time. You know, even looking back into our past, like, indigenous Americans, like, they literally faced an apocalypse, you know, in, in here in North America and Central America. You know, these things are not outside of the realm of, you know, ima- you know they're, not, they're not just imaginative things. And currently speaking, the fight for survival persists. When we talk about Russia's war in Ukraine, it is hard to ignore the worst possible outcome, some kind of nuclear confrontation between Russia and the United States. You can't turn on the news without hearing about the war being waged on Ukraine and its people. And it's raising an uncomfortable question for everyone. Do we need to worry about a nuclear apocalypse? I asked Staff Sergeant Christopher Ward from the Vermont National Guard what would happen in Vermont if a nuclear bomb were dropped in Boston or New York? He didn't really answer my question. And I don't think that even that person at the highest level of, of that field is going to truly be able to, to, to accurately, you know, tell us what that's going to look like or, or how that's going to impact us. Because once again, luckily, um, we haven't had to deal with it, you know. Chris is an infantry squad leader at Alpha Company, 3rd Battalion which is known as the Mountain Battalion. He cannot tell us much about a nuclear fallout, but he knows a thing or two about survival in extreme conditions. He spent a lot of time in the Arctic. I guess what drew me to the Arctic, first and foremost, is everything around you um, is trying to kill you, right? It, it is an extremely adverse area to, to try to live in, let alone thrive in. And so that that unique challenge of the whole world around you not being survivable and you're going to go with a snowmobile a big sled with your tent and a stove some fuel some food and a couple changes of clothes and you're going to go out there and you're going to survive for you know umpteen amount of times and the best part and it's not hard to compare some of vermont's similarities to that of the arctic they're both pretty isolated with a small population and you know winter lots of winter and there's, so much, there's only so much uh, wood fuel you can burn to keep yourself warm. And so This is Dr. Michael Shank. He teaches at New York University Center for Global Affairs, but he lives in Montpelier. When Michael was looking for his next home, he factored in climate refuge. Since moving here, he has seen some trends that worry him, that Vermont may not be so safe after all. I do think we'll see more storms, too. I mean, we're seeing heavier rains, more flooding, more of this 
melt, freeze, melt, freeze, melt, freeze in winter, which creates icier conditions, more dangerous conditions, more salt budgets uh, for towns to clear the roads, etc. And we'll see our infrastructure hit harder and harder by increasingly ferocious storms. And so the roads and bridges repairing those, keeping those up to date is going to be critical. To Michael's point, with the severe uptick in extreme weather, another major concern is surviving Vermont's coldest months. Not everyone has a wood stove and solar panels. Our reliance on gas and oil imports puts us in a difficult position. According to the U.S. Energy Information Administration, about 60% of Vermont households heat with petroleum products. How do we be reliant only on the energy we can provide here in state? Because imagine these oil and gas pipelines getting disrupted by conflict or war in the end times or in a climate change scenario. I play a lot of, um, play a few apocalypse games, such as like Half-Life or Fallout, and those franchises have just got me just thinking about what if an apocalypse were to happen and whatnot, and how would our little state and community hold up to those, respectively. This is Zachary Cummings, a barista at Scout & Company Espresso Bar in Winooski. He's not your traditional expert, but even if only virtually, he has spent the past few years thinking about the ability to survive the end of the world. I do believe that uh, the Vermont people and our um, ability and willingness to focus on a local scale, I'm pretty sure Vermont would, would harbor a pretty good local economy if a financial apocalypse were to happen as well. And Chris Ward from The Guard thinks if we're lucky, the fact that we are Vermonters might be our saving grace. Vermont as a whole, like the geographic boundaries of Vermont, might not necessarily be the best physical place to run out an apocalypse, but doing it with Vermonters or as a Vermonter is probably one of your most likely successes, right? So your, your, your ace in the hole is either being with Vermonters or being a Vermonter yourself. When we come back, we'll test Vermont's social fitness and hear from someone who isn't waiting for the world to end to prepare. This is Brave Little State. Welcome back to Brave Little State. I'm Myra Flynn. Today, VPR's Marlon Hyde is unpacking this question. Would Vermont be a good place to ride out an apocalypse? At the start of the pandemic, when there were concerns about food shortages, BLS did an episode about whether Vermont could feed itself. Back then, we talked to Pete Johnson of Pete's Greens, and he said that if we're just talking straight calories to survive, say 3,000 per person per day, it would only take... 50,000 acres of potatoes to provide all the calories for the whole state of Vermont for the whole year. And that's about a tenth of our total agricultural land. So potatoes, all day, every day. And also some corn and kale, as they grow well here too. I know that diet may not sound the most appetizing, but we're talking about an apocalypse here. Eat the kale. 
And we now have experienced something that tests Pete's theory, a pandemic. It gave us a big picture of what our food systems look like in times of desperate need. We are able to to get food to people on a curbside delivery in this really scary time. And we were able to let the farmers know that we were there for them and that we were trying to help them make their markets um, when everything was shut down. This is Lindsay Burke of ACORN, the Addison County Relocalization Network. She says a big part of the reason she lives in Vermont, she thinks it will be a climate refuge. Do you think Vermont is a good place to write out any sort of apocalypse, whether it be zombie, climate, pandemic, or nuclear? Well, that's to be determined, I guess. A huge part of Lindsay's job is bridging the gap between farms, distribution avenues, and Vermonters. So how would Vermonters eat if the world were ending? So in that case of, you know, the, wor- the worst case scenario, we're going to have to drive around. We got our, our, our local food and farm guide in paper, so we'll have a map of how to get to all the farms. Um, and we'll make it work on our bicycles or on our sleds, I mean, <laughs> our horses. I don't know how far down this rabbit hole we're going. Worst comes to worst, Lindsay says she has some very prepared friends that she can stay with. They have all the they have all the things. They've got the chest freezers full of meat, and they've got their fruit trees, and they're at the end of a dirt road um, where there won't be a lot of people up there. And the community up there is pretty solid. People look out for each other. One through line I heard while reporting out this episode is that we as Vermonters are kind of famous for looking out for each other. Even our doomsday preppers are community-minded. Well, at least the one that I talked to, and he'd even like the phrase. Uh, I, I consider myself... Um, a teacher. This is Tom Taylor. He lives in Jericho. I don't consider myself to be a doomsday prepper in the traditional sense. Uh, I think most people view preppers as people that stockpile guns and ammo and food. And if things get bad, uh, they're going to isolate themselves in their house. Tom has taught geology and earth science in the United States and abroad. He considers survival often. He says that stockpiling food and ammo is not enough. Uh, Working in community is. um, In Vermont, there's still a lot of people that know how to uh, store food, canned food, salt food, uh, make make venison jerky. So there's a lot of knowledge in Vermont about people know how to do those things. My wife and I have also worked with uh, quite a few refugee families. And... People that are from other cultures are much more knowledgeable about different survival skills and different food skills. I get why Tom doesn't like the title Doomsday Prepper. I often associate the label with fear. People who are living in fear and preparing for the worst. Which sounds like a terribly anxious way to live. But, as we've heard, all sorts of apocalypse seem possible right now. So, I wonder, should we not be afraid? Does fear, in fact, spark our most primal survival instincts? Chris Ward, again, from The Guard, says survival is a tricky thing. I'd say, how often do I think about the end of the world? I wouldn't say all that often. It's not on the forefront of my brain. I'm not going to lie to you, right? I don't think about it that much. I think about, I do think about very consciously and deliberately things that could adversely affect me. Um, You can kind of scale that up to a whole broad spectrum of things. Um, but I think that I, I don't think about it all that time. Um, and, and when I do, I guess I, it's really just cursorily. Humans aren't a big fan oh. of understanding their own, you know, mortality. 
Chris says, if an apocalypse happens, there are some basic essentials we should be prepared to think about. Okay, so so food, water, shelter, or fire, water, shelter, right? But when I go out, that's that's what I'm thinking about. How I'm going to sleep, what the weather is, where I'm going to sleep, how I can make water or make water safe to drink, and how I can either gather food, hunt food, or carry my own food, and when and how I'm going to be able to sparse that out for as long as I need to survive. But... Chris says preparing mentally can be just as important. Even outside of the military, there's uh, some call it a prayer, some call it a saying, um, but it's it's thinking about the things that you can affect, right? Um, and the things that you can actually go into and, and start changing or, you know, reinvest in. And so living within your own circle, within your own spectrum and, and understanding where you are and not being so... Um, concerned with the things that you can't change, right? So, would Vermont be a good place to ride out an apocalypse? After all my reporting, it's still scary to think about. But I think Vermont would be a good place. At least, it's definitely not the worst. We have the people, and we care about them, and we have the land, and we care about it. I think that we're going to be just fine no matter what the world puts at our plate. so much for listening to the show and thanks to our anonymous question asker for the great question if you have a question about vermont you want us to answer ask it at bravelittlestate.org while you're there you can sign up for the bls newsletter check out past episodes and vote on the question you want us to tackle next if you liked what you heard today i recommend our 2020 episode about whether vermont could feed itself that's linked in today's show notes This episode was reported by VPR News Fellow Marlon Hyde. It was produced and mixed by me with help from the Brave Little State team, Josh Crane and Angela Evansy. Ty Gibbons composed our theme music, other music by Blue Dot Sessions. Special thanks to Anne Watson and Lieutenant Nathan R. Rivard of the National Guard. Brave Little State is a production of Vermont Public Radio. If you're a fan of the show, please make a gift at bravelittlestate.org or just tell your friends to listen. I'm Myra Flynn. We'll be back soon with more people-powered Vermont storytelling. Until then, remember, be brave, ask questions.
At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.